A date who also looks like his picture? Unexpected. At Blue Apron, we love the unexpected. With the kind of unexpected ingredients that lead you to discover something new, Blue Apron offers amazing recipes that also let you show off your skills. An at-home dinner date that goes incredibly well? Now that's unexpected. Blue Apron. Expect the unexpected. Visit blueapron.com unique and get $110 off across your first five deliveries plus free shipping off your first box. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. Avoid the Maze is all about our journey in life. And you know what? We're all on a journey, even though sometimes we may think that we are stuck in place. Our guest today is Stephanie Stone and Snow. I'm sorry, my mouth got a little confused for a minute, and I should know the word snow because we have snow here in cleveland ohio today um and stephanie is joining us today um we met through podmatch.com and i love um what you do on a regular basis it's about helping individuals like myself and our listeners find themselves um it's sort of sad that so many of us feel lost so Stephanie, give us a little bit of background. What got you on this subject? Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. I'm really happy to be here. And I, this is a passion I've had for so many years, most of my life. And my path to figuring out who I am and where I fit in the world began at the tender age of five years old. I saw a commercial for this certain shampoo and in it, the woman had this long, gorgeous blonde hair and I, and she was in this field of wildflowers and she was so happy and life was wonderful. And I knew if I used her shampoo, I would be as beautiful and happy as she was. So my lovely mother bought me the shampoo and I went and used it and I looked in the mirror afterwards and I had the same short brown, then straight <laughs> hair that I had before. And I was just devastated. And I thought, that woman lied to me. I was going to look beautiful and be so happy. And it's interesting because I had never really thought about my hair before that at all. Like it was on my yeah. head, did its yep. thing. But from that moment on, it was not okay. There was something wrong with that hair because it didn't look like the woman on the commercial. Sure. So that's where it kind of started. And then I, I just became really observant about all those things all the places where I felt I was lacking because I didn't look like the images that were constantly being mirrored back at me. So it just became kind of a lifelong obsession. And as I was able to work through those things more into my adulthood and find out the truth of, or the untruth as it is, you know, of what those images are right. um, and how they, they shouldn't be controlling my life. And I know they're controlling so many other people's lives about how they feel about themselves, which then translates into how they show up in the world to other people. Absolutely. You know, and you're not the only one who has seen those wonderful ads on TV um, or in the magazines. I grew up in the same way. I remember watching Miss America as a little kid and saying to my parents, you know, I want to be Miss America. And my father thought, oh, that would be terrific because you would be beautiful. You would have an education. You would have a talent. He looked at all those things 
that made up a Miss America. And I don't think it was so much that he wanted me to be part of the pageant, but he wanted me to have all those qualities. And he always told me I had them. But like you, I too looked in the mirror and I wasn't as thin. My eyes weren't as, you know, big. Um, there, there was always a blemish somewhere. And it's sad that we have allowed ourselves to continue to be taken in by all these outside forces. So you found this out when you were about five years old. About what time did you start to maybe think, hey, you know what? There's no reality in all this. That is, it was a long process. Uh, I continued to try and fit the mold all through my growing up years and in adolescence and in junior high, I was on the drill team. So of course that exacerbated the problem because we were all wearing the same costume, you know? So in the locker room, I'm like, oh, my legs are bigger than hers or her chest is bigger than mine or what size is my waist? And so that just made the problem even bigger and more glaring to myself that I was always wanting to look like the girl next to me or the girl in front of me or whatever like that. And I remember specifically one day when I went to college and I had a roommate who had been a cheerleader in high school and she was just thin and cute and petite and she had dates at least one every weekend. And one day she came into the kitchen and she just said, oh, I'm getting so fat. And I looked at her and I was like, you're, like your thigh is as big as my, I mean, my thigh is as big as your waist, like, come on. But she, it just kind of clicked in my head that how we feel about ourselves has virtually nothing to do with the reality of what our body actually looks like. Right. And, you know, a hundred percent to do with what we feel about it and we think about it. So we can look at someone who we think is on that perfect pedestal, even supermodels themselves. I've heard interviews with, and they feel the same way about their bodies. Absolutely. Yes. So it's kind of a crazy thing. You know, we're all tricked into thinking we're the only one that doesn't fit the mold, but actually nobody fits that mold that we're all held up to that we're supposed to fit into. And if we can get that message out so that young people understand it and their parents and their grandparents even understand it. Um, you know, I remember uh, as a young child, uh, my mother sewed most of my clothes for me. She was a phenomenal seamstress. Anybody would have given, you know, anything to have her make them a skirt, a dress. But the problem I always had was if everybody else was wearing a navy blue pleated skirt, when my mother went to get the fabric, she would get turquoise, she would get pink, but she never got the navy blue. And I never wanted to wear the clothes that she made me because it, it wasn't fitting the mold. And it wasn't until I became a young adult um, that all of a sudden it dawned on me. I had very special things to wear, but I wanted to look like everybody else. And why? And that's when I started saying to myself, you got to find one good thing that you like about yourself each day. And it doesn't have to be the same thing. Um, so it's not an easy path because we are bombarded every day with what we should look like. Um, and I want to try to figure out who these authorities are who have determined what we should look like. Right. They're the ones that control the purse strings, right? 
Right. It's, it's interesting because I've done some in-depth studies of just my own, you know, looking through, and I have my clients do this sometimes, look through some fashion magazines and you're going to find out there are problems that have been invented and also their solutions. And the problem and the solution are being invented by the same people. Interesting. Right. So if you look through magazines and you're going to find a problem called my eyelashes are not thick or long enough. I mean, that's a problem, right? <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. That's a problem. Yeah. And, but we have the solution for you because we have this new thing that's going to make your eyelashes as thick and long as you want them. Right. There's also, I saw a problem, this one, uh, for makeup for your legs. Are your legs naked and they're too pale? You're going to go out tonight. We have the solution. You know, there's, so there's made up problems and then made up solutions. So if, if we can believe the problem that they've created, we're going to buy the solution. So they're creating this never ending supply of business for themselves. Well, maybe we should come up with some solutions, you know, uh, we can make a lot of money, but the reality of it is, is I look at this, you know, yes, we can go and we can get our eyelashes weaved. Um, we can add extra makeup. There are certain makeups that um, actually claim they thicken your eyelashes. Um, actually, I was given some by a client one day and she says 30 day supply. And Karen, at the end of 30 days, you will not recognize your eyelashes. And I thought, okay, I'll try it. It's free. Although when I figured out how much it was gonna cost me to keep doing it, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to be so disappointed if this really works. And luckily it did not work. Um, you know, my mascara does the trick better than some of these solutions. But I thought to myself, who was I trying to please? Was I trying to please her? Or did she convince me that my eyelashes just were not good enough and I had to get them thicker? And I remember having a conversation with my husband about it. And he said to me, your eyelashes are fine, dear. So if you want them thicker, that's up to you. And then when I told him the cost of it, he said, yeah, you better go out and get another job if you want to keep <laughs> buying that stuff. Um, so we sometimes start believing people that really are not connected to us. So in, you know, your business with your clients, how do you help them understand that, you know, you got to take a step back or do you tell them to take a step back? Well, we work on all different aspects, right? Because <clears throat> I think the, the first thing we do is to be able to bring consciousness to it and to find out the truth of this, right? Like I was just saying, we need to understand what we're being shown, what we're being fed is, is not reality. And the thickness of your eyelashes, the shade of your legs, the whatever it is, you know, if I, the blonde long locks of hair I wanted, those things are not really problems and they're not going to make your life amazing and wonderful and beautiful. So, and it takes steps to get to that place where you can believe it here, right? I mean, we all look at the magazines and we go, yeah, that's airbrushed. Yeah, that's not reality, but we see so much of it, like you were saying, you know, depending on how much media you take in, you can be seeing thousands of those images every right. day. So even though here we go, that's not real. 
but you know, and here, but I want to look like that. I need to look like that because then I'll, I'll be happy. So getting it into the heart and I work with people on, so seeing that reality and also then how do we change the definition of what beauty really means, right? We're, yes. we're sold to this teeny tiny narrow definition of what it needs to look like. And it has to fit in this little box. But the reality is beauty is so many things. Absolutely. And the diversity in the world is what creates beauty. You know, if we all really look the same and if we all really were interested in the same things and if we all really drove the same car and lived in the same house and enjoyed the same, it would be so boring. Yes, it would. Yep. And not only that, the world would be lacking in so many amazing things, you know, so finding a new definition of beauty and then turning that inward to where do I see that in myself is the key. You know, um, I'm in my second marriage. It's been 37 plus years. So I really should believe my husband when he tells me I'm beautiful. Um, but there are days that I look at him and go, but how can you say that? you know, not one stitch of makeup on, um, you know, my skin to me maybe looks shallow. Um, my hair color is draining out of my hair. So it's every different color in the world. But when he says it to me, it's like, he's seeing something that I'm not. And there are days that I have to ask him, what is it that you're seeing? And sometimes he'll say, it's a sparkle in your eye. Sometimes he'll tell me it's something that I just did and it's just making me look ravishing. And it took me a long time to understand that because again, I figured, you know, when we walk down the street or someplace, you know, he'll notice a beautiful woman and I'm glad he is because it means he's human and alive. Okay. <laughs> um, and his eyes are working, but Sometimes I'll look at him and go, but if you think that's, she's beautiful, how can you say I am? And he has said basically the same thing. That's just a form that I'm looking at. Yeah. Blonde flowing hair. What man doesn't like blonde flowing hair? But you know what? Your hair doesn't flow like that. So I love how your hair looks. And I thought, interesting, because we aren't taught that when we're younger, that people can love us for our uniqueness. Absolutely. And I love, I love talking to people about, you know, when you look at someone like you were just saying, your husband looking at you, and probably you could say the reverse, right? Right. Um, the things that make people beautiful to us, farther than if you've just seen them once and you go, oh, wow, what great hair or what a, you know, chiseled body, whatever. The things that make us think of beauty in the people we know and love have very little to do with their outward appearance, you know, very little. So if we can look at who do I admire, who do I love? What do, what do I think is beautiful about that person and realize that it's not about their physicality, then how can we look at our own selves and say, even though, you know, my hair's getting grayer, I'm getting softer as I get older or whatever the case may be, what is beautiful about me? And it's really, that's kind of a fun exercise because if you can let yourself, I mean, you know, we tend to be like, oh, nothing, nothing is good yep. about me. But if we can really deep dive in and say, what is beautiful about me? What, and if you need to ask other people, do it. Absolutely. You know, like you said, you asked your husband, what, what do you see that's beautiful about me? 
And if you go to the people who hang out with you that love you, they're going to tell you all the things that are beautiful about you. If you need help finding them, if you can't, you know, go there on your own at the beginning. Well, you know, something interesting happened uh, to me this past weekend. So on the weekend, I jumped from podcaster to IT person. Um, and I help out in a big box store, making sure that their people know how all the electronics work together. And um, this young kid who probably is maybe 18 or 19 years old, um, been working with him for a couple of months. And he said, you know, Karen, I'm really impressed. And I said, well, what are you impressed about? And he goes, like, I've listened to your podcast. You've got one personality there and you come in here and you, you know the IT world inside and out. And I said, well, I try. There's a lot of things I don't know. He said, but you're just the most beautiful person I've ever met. And I just standing there and I'm thinking, you are a millennial telling me that I'm a beautiful person and we're always complaining about millennials. And I said to him, well, I appreciate that. And he said, you just have it all together. And I realized he wasn't talking about my hair, my eyes, my figure. And of course he can't see my smile because I have to wear a mask. Um, but he put that whole package together. And I was walking on cloud nine yesterday um, because he didn't have to say a word to me about it. And I think sometimes people do think, say those nice things to us, but we don't understand them because again, we are driven by the commercials. We're driven by the movies. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard people say sometimes, and I'm not sure why they put that actress in there. She's a little bit heavy. It's like, you know, thinner than I am, thinner than most of my friends, but our definitions have just gotten out of place. Yeah. I love that that happened to you. That is so amazing. Yeah. And I, I try really hard, <clears throat> excuse me, when I'm around people and I see beautiful things like that to point it out because it's important. The power of words is so important. And just think how amazingly more beautiful we would all feel if we oh, just made it a point to do that. Absolutely. You know, just the little things that we see. So at five years old, when your mother bought this shampoo for you, she knew why you wanted it. Um, and when you didn't see blonde flowing hair, um, what did she say to you? Did she encourage you that that was okay because your hair was beautiful with the shampoo anyways? Yeah. I mean, she... She uh, obviously knew, right? Like you said, my hair was not going to be blonde and it was not going to, it's curly now, but back then it was straight. And she just, my mother was always very, very encouraging to me and tried to point out all of my good qualities, which I love her for. Um, and it was hard. It was still hard for me to feel that sure. like you're saying, you know? And so, especially as parents, I was talking to <clears throat> a parenting group recently and they said you know how can we instill in our kids these good feelings about their their bodies and themselves as they're growing because younger and younger ages right. are starting to have issues like five and six year olds wanting to be on diets and things yeah. because they're too fat which is just mind-blowing to me but the words that we say are so so important and i have interviewed women who talked about i, I talked to a woman who was almost 60 years old and she's still was brought to tears 
talking about how her dad, when she was 10 and 11 years old, tried to get her to go on a diet because she was bigger than the other kids on her cross country running team. You know, she was like, I was running, I was healthy, I was eating healthy food, but I wasn't fitting the mold. And it was her dad who, when you're 10 or 11, is the most important person right. in your life, you know, your male figure, generally speaking. And so it was just crushing to her. And she was 60 when she's talking to me. And it still, you know, was part of the inside of her that made her feel like she wasn't worthy, wasn't beautiful, even to that day. So as parents, as coaches, as anyone who is involved with younger people in any kind of mentoring situation or teaching situation, we have to be so careful about Absolutely. how we approach things with their bodies. You know, with my kids, I always try to talk about our abilities and the amazing things our bodies do for us. You know, every day they do things we don't even have to think about. They breathe for us. Our hearts beat thousands of times a day. And it, isn't it amazing Absolutely. what they can do for us, you know? Well, I know when my youngest son was right around 10 or 11, um, he was put on medication and within 30 days blew up. Okay, so he was this skinny thing and put on almost 80 pounds. Um, and the medication was helping other than the fact that it blew him up. And one day he actually looked in the mirror and he said, I don't like how I look. And I said, well, do you like your hair? And he goes, no. I said, so how would you like to wear your hair? And back then the boys were you know, bleaching the top of their hair. And he said, I want the top of my hair blonde. I said, okay, I figured worst case scenario, he's not going to like it. We'll have to cut it off and he'll start from scratch. But we did that. And all of a sudden now he's not looking at his body. He's looking at his hair. And um, he went like that for quite a while that he was okay. And then one day he didn't like the blonde bleach in the hair. And all of a sudden he saw his body again. And so I said, well, let's go talk to the doctor. Okay. Because we know it's the medication. This isn't you for a lifetime. And we talked to the doctor and the doctor said, we need at least six more months on the medication. He explained it to him. So he said, is there something, is there a color that you like that maybe you haven't been wearing? He goes, I love blue. So I said, okay, we're going to go on a shopping spree. And I had him pick out blue shirts, blue pants. He became my blue boy for the next six months. But at least when he got dressed and he looked in the mirror, he liked the colors he saw. He's now 31 years old. And he has said to me, that was the best thing you ever could do. He said, because I knew I looked terrible. And I said, you look different. That's what it was. It's not so much, you look terrible, it was different. And then in the last month, I went on a medication and it has blown up my face. And so I went to my hairdresser and all I said to her was, I know this is gonna go away, but until it does, what can I do? And we sat there, we strategized, I came home and I said to my husband, okay, I know you like my hair straight, it's naturally curly. This is what I'm going to do until the puffiness goes down. And he goes, that's fine. Do what you need to do. So there are solutions, like you said, and they don't have to be expensive, elaborate solutions. 
Yeah. And I think the key to it, and I love what a great mom move. Oh, I try. No, that's awesome. And I think that the important thing is that we live and let live kind of thing, I guess, you know, I, I always try to make it a point to say, you know, I'm not, I am not against cosmetics. I am not against coloring your hair. I'm not against any kind of surgery procedure, whatever an individual thinks they need or want to do to feel happy and good about themselves. That's between you and yourself. You know, that is not my place to say, and nor do I, nor do I want to, but I think the issue is why are we doing it? You know what I mean? Are you doing it to feel better about yourself? Like you said, while you're going through this other thing with your medication, and is that going to make you feel happy about yourself? Is it, but if it's, if it's just because I have to fit this box that society has told me to, otherwise I'm not worthwhile, then I have a problem with that because then we're being exploited. Right. Exactly. So if, you know, do what you got to do. I mean, I'm happy. I'm about ready to go color my hair, some crazy fun color, just because I want to, and it's fine. And it should be fun. It's fun to do all those things, but it's, why are we doing it? Are we feeling compelled because we have to, or we don't have worth, you know, that's my problem. I totally agree with you. So how do your clients find you? Because when I read your bio, it was like, you know, I've known coaches before, but I haven't met a coach who really has helped people through these imaging issues that so many of us have. And I know I've been through therapy and therapy certainly didn't help, but they found all the reasons why they said I was doing what I was doing. And maybe they were right, but I didn't feel guided. And so because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel guided, I left that. Um, But coaching is totally different because you don't tell me or your clients what to do. You help them see their options. Right. Absolutely. It's kind of like, I want to help people go through what I went through but faster and easier, right? So I had many, many years of struggling and doing self-work and figuring out where my true worth lies. And so I wanna help people be able to do that faster. And it is, it's a very unique uh, place to come from. And it's also very personalized that I help people with their specific issues and what they need to do to feel good about their personal journey. So, as I said in the beginning, you know, avoid the maze is about the journey. And the more we listen and the more we talk to each other, um, I know that more I have found out that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that has been put on a medication, all of a sudden looked in the mirror one day and said, oh my God, what can I do to change this? Um, I'm not the only person who um, lost a hundred pounds 10 years ago And now I'm back up a good 40 of those pounds. Um, You know, there's some days I scratch my head and go, don't know how it happened. Reality, I do know how it happened. Um, And I'm not specifically losing the weight because I have to fit a mold. I started working out so that I would feel comfortable in my own skin. And I mentioned that to the doctor the last time I saw him. And he said, I'm not telling you to go on a diet. I'm telling you to stay healthy. And I thought it's the first time in my life that I've looked at it that way. You know, if I lose the pounds, I lose the pounds. If I don't, I don't. But the working out actually makes me feel beautiful. 
And I'm sure I don't look beautiful when I'm working out. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. Well, you in a different way. Looking, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love that concept of I'm doing this for my body because I love my body and I want to be healthy. One of my mentors, Mark David, says um, that you cannot expect to get to a place of self-love through the lens of self-hate because the journey informs the destination. And if we're working out or dieting or restricting in any other way, because we don't love our body and we're trying to beat it into submission and you will fit in this box, right. uh, that's not gonna get us where we need to go. And you might be able to lose the weight, you might be able to get to the size you want or whatever, but it's not gonna be sustainable. Like you said, if I loved, it makes me feel beautiful to move my body. Yep. And that's one of my big loves is moving my body. And so many people say, oh, I don't like to exercise or whatever. And it's like, well, let's change that word. Let's call it move, joyful movement. You know, how do you like to move your body? There's so many options to move your body. Exactly. That, you know, I dare you to not find one you like, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, right. rollerblading, gardening, hiking, swimming, running. There's so many ways to move your body. And if we move out of the box of just, I have to burn calories or I have to chisel and sculpt my body, it opens up such a bigger world of possibility and enjoyment and beauty. Well, and I grew up in a home where my mother was on a yo-yo diet her whole life. Uh, she went from one health club to another. She bought one exercise piece of equipment after another. Um, and she would get thin and then she'd put it back on. And um, I never wanted to be in that situation. In fact, I've never truly gone on an actual diet. I've, when I lost all that weight was because I started eating properly. And that was a big difference. And that's why it was easier for me. I didn't feel restricted. Um, what got me to put the weight back on, I just got in a bad place and started eating some of those things I shouldn't eat. Um, and so now I'm getting better at it again, because I know overall health-wise, I feel better at the end of the day. That's where I would love for our listeners to understand that, like you said, this is not a cookie cutter thing that you're going to do with them, because you're going to find the little things that work for them. And if it works for them, it may not work for another client. So you're constantly reinventing helping them reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it, it's so unique to each individual person. And the reason so many of us have been on so many diets or so many different plans or looking here and there and everywhere is because someone has found something that worked for them at a certain specific place in their life and then think it's, it will work for everyone. And something that's important to realize is there's no one diet that will work for everyone. Right. And yeah. there's not even one diet that will work for the same person throughout their entire life because our bodies change and they have different needs and they go through different seasons and all sorts of different things as we grow in age. And so it's, it's a constant experiment and it's a constant road, the journey, right? It never ends. And so we, we need, the more we can be open to ourselves and our own needs, as opposed to just trying to find that one specific thing that whoever says is the thing, um, and realize our humanity, realize our flow of need and realize that it's gonna change. Absolutely. Giving ourselves compassion for the things that we're dealing with and going through as we go along also 
is a huge piece of it. Well, and it's interesting because my husband is diabetic. And when he was first diagnosed, you know, we took all the cookies out of the house, all the candy, everything. And for the first couple of years, he was on pace following what everybody called the diabetic diet. And he was feeling miserable. Mm -hmm. um, and one day he just said, you know, I really need a candy bar. And I said, okay, you know, just be sure you can do it. And what we have found in his case that he can eat a candy bar, a candy bar a day. He can have um, his carbs at lunchtime, not at dinner time. Okay. And if he does at dinner time, you know, he's going to wake up in the morning with a fairly high number. But if anybody else who is diabetic tried to eat the way he does, uh, most doctors would go ballistic. But he has figured out he loves his sweets. Um, he's not a good lunch eater because of his work, which again, a diabetic is supposed to have small meals throughout the day. He doesn't, but he keeps his numbers down. And so what he has shared with others, don't do what I do, figure out what works for you. And so in the beginning, he was a miserable diabetic because he kept saying nothing tastes good. You know, I'm restricted to what I can eat. And he one day woke up and said, I don't want to be miserable anymore. So as he experimented, you know, um, I can't eat the candy bar and I'm not diabetic. I eat the candy bar and I'll gain five pounds. So uh, I know better than that. So how can our listeners find you if they want you to help coach them? I have a website that's jointhebeautyrevolution.com. And on there also, I'm just starting a five-day challenge. That's the body five-day body image breakthrough, which will take you through five days of my favorite simple ways to boost the way you feel about your body and yourself. And so that's kind of an introduction to what I'm about. And from there, they can also find ways to contact me for coaching if they're interested in that. I love that. And especially now, everybody is on Zoom or FaceTime. So there's always a way to connect. So I don't care where you live, um, you know, you can work with Stephanie and um, I think it's about time we start breaking the mold and just trying a way to love ourselves. Because I think if we can start loving ourselves, we're going to love our neighbors um, and, you know, stop judging people. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's a big, wonderful world out there. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing this with us today. And I'm hoping that um, a lot of people will find you out there. So yeah, thank you so much. I wonderful. appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care you now. Bye-bye.